0: Making the community a healthier place is always at the forefront of what we're doing at the Portage Health Foundation. And one of the ways we're doing that is with the PHF podcast. I'm Michael Babcock, and I host this podcast where we tell the stories of the people, organizations, projects, and events that are focused on improving the health of our community. From meeting the people behind the scenes at our farmers markets, understanding more about our local education, emergency services, nonprofit, or criminal justice systems, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Simply search Portage Health Foundation.
1: Welcome back to Copper Country Today, brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation. Learn more about them at phfgive.org. I'm Grant Ducetto, joined by Brad Barnett, the Executive Director of the Keweenaw Convention and Visitors Bureau. So, for an organization like yours, this is obviously a very busy week for you. Maybe you can talk about the economic impact if you're able to measure it and what carnival means to the copper country as a whole. Yeah,
0: so, I mean, first at first blush, I mean, if you just take a walk down the streets, especially in Hope and Hancock, you can feel it's a little bit busier this time of year. Winter carnival brings people from, I think, really all across the Midwest, but people who have ties to tech, right? You know, they're former students or they're friends of former students, and they're being brought up here to celebrate a special time of the year in the Keweenaw. So uh, it's certainly meaningful for our restaurants, our hotels, and cabins, because especially, I I would really argue, up up through Calumet, Winter Carnival has an economic impact. I mean, talking to hoteliers and cabin owners, they're full. (laughs) So that's a good thing. Specifically, we don't have numbers on what Winter Carnival exactly brings, because there are other things that are happening in the area right now. I mean, we're full into snowmobile season right now. I mean, if you, again, you, you pay attention to parking lots, you'll see trailers in a lot of them, sleds in a lot of them, Bohemia's popped open too. So, you know, the the, the three legs of the q winter season are, are in full force. And that third, of course, is uh, Michigan Tech and Winter Carnival.
1: But I'm assuming, I know for many of the Houghton ones in particular, the hotels, they're opening up reservations for next year's carnival, probably on Monday, certainly <laughs> Soon, It's not going to be too long. So if you're trying to come up and perhaps you're not real familiar with carnival and you're just coming up for snowmobiling, you're just coming up for skiing, whatever it would happen to be, You're going to run into that week where all of a sudden you don't have a place to stay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think there are a lot of people who said, what the heck happened? You know, I was looking at, you know, the week before and the week after, and it seemed like there was plenty of space and availability. And all of a sudden, this one odd week right here all of a sudden is full. More Mm -hmm. prices went up. So, yeah, there's no question that uh, that if if you want to have a prime spot for Winter Carnival next year, you probably need to start planning ahead now. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Speaking of the effect on prices, do we have some idea what it does as far as the hotel rates? Maybe if we can just stick, you mentioned, from here to Calumet.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, hotel pricing, unlike a lot of things, I mean, it's really elastic, right? It's all based on demand. It's all based on occupancy rate. And so hoteliers are monitoring as rooms fill, you know, as their occupancy rate increases, they're adjusting their prices accordingly. So they know a year ahead of time, they would expect there to be a high rate of occupancy during this week, just like during like commencement weekends or the 4th of July. So they've already marked those weeks in their calendars, months, if not years in advance, to adjust those prices upward because they expect those rooms to be filled. On the other hand, when things are slow, then they're quick to adjust and drop it down. So I would say during, you know, if let's say a room here in Houghton runs, you know, a $150 a night, you know, on a regular season, expect to pay about $50 more for Winter Carnival week just because of that that anticipated demand. If they fill up even earlier, then they would probably adjust it higher. More quickly
1: for the Convention Visitors Bureau. Mm-hmm. What's your role as far as promoting carnival? Is it mostly done through Michigan Tech and area businesses? Do they need your help in promoting this particular weekend?
0: Yeah. So I would I would say that traditionally, winter I mean, Winter Carnival runs itself. So you got to give a shout out to the Blue Key Society. They do a fantastic job. I learned this year. I worked really closely uh, with Rachel May, one of the students there who lead the effort. She was their point person for PR and media. And, and she media was on outreach. this
1: program a couple of weeks ago.
0: Absolutely. So. And so you know she's great. Wh- whichever employer gets a hold of her, you know, <laughs> <laughs> next year, you're getting a good one. So they manage most of the local promotion, but what they don't really focus on is any sort of external promotion. So if you're talking about leveraging Winter Carnival and communicating that to people downstate, for example, uh, or in Chicago or in Wisconsin, they usually focus more on the internal markets. They're focused on making sure they put on the best event they can. And making sure, and and they handle everything again. Fundraising. I mean, they have to pay for snow maintenance, which I found out the other day, right? So their budget, a lot of it's sucked up in like flyers and leaflets and things like that. What we do as an organization is to help connect people who love the Keweenaw with an, a winter event they may want to come and visit. Maybe they love to sled or they love to ski or snowshoe, and this is a great time of year to come and not only enjoy the Keweenaw at its finest when it comes to the winter trails, but here's a really fun event to participate in as well. And we've seen over the last. Uh, really the last couple months, a real interest in these types of really impressive, very visual events. Winter Carnival shows really well on social media, through video, through imagery. Uh, it was picked up um, by Fox News earlier this year. That was something we worked with to kind of pitch that uh, as one of the top like 10 or 15 ice carving uh, events in the country. So what we help do is get the message out you know, beyond sort of regional media and go and try to extend it as much as we can.
1: I know that my grandmother because my dad's side of the family comes from wakefield which is only a couple hours away Mm -hmm. i grew up in the detroit area and most of the family has migrated that way over time but my grandmother even after my dad had graduated and before i came to michigan tech she always made it over here Mm -hmm. for this weekend just to see the sculptures and stuff so it really does become a regional event in ways that perhaps other michigan tech items do not.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I was talking to Father Ben over at St. Al's uh, yesterday, and uh, he was telling me about his, you know, the, the ice mass that they do. Wonderful event. Last year, there were some photos that were circulated online of, of the, the snow chapel, right? And so that landed on our Facebook page, which was then shared. And then it blew up into like, I don't know, a half a million views. And now they're doing a live stream, uh, which we're partnering with them on through our social media manager, Second Sandbar Productions. They're fantastic. And they have over a thousand pre pre-registrations to watch the event. Uh, what the CBB can do is really help amplify and connect people who are passionate about this community, no matter where they're at across the country. And so for us, uh, we just love to partner with MTU, love to partner with uh, Blue Key, and um, just love seeing the work that they do.
1: Obviously, you've got your special events calendar. There's some curling that happens up at the drill house in yep. Calumet, yeah. you've got the events that are happening at Mount Ripley mm-hmm. across the canal. Yeah, Most of the events that are going to be on campus and in Houghton in particular, are there ways for other communities here in the Copper Country to maybe piggyback off of Winter Carnival?
0: Yeah. So that's a great, that's a great uh, idea because what Winter Carnival does, it's like, a, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of like the sun, right? It creates a gravitational pull, right? And then organizations, communities can piggyback it off of that. I know the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge this weekend is having uh, their snowshoe hair race, right? So it's a snowshoe race up around the, the, the snowshoe trails at the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge in Copper Harbor and their hope is that when people come here for Winter Carnival that they travel up to the lodge, maybe stay there a night or two or three, and participate in the race because people are in town. So other communities, you're absolutely right, it's a great idea where, um, you know, people are here. Uh, so start a new tradition but link it with, you know, the the promotion and the activity and the energy That winter carnival really brings to the area. And we've seen that with other events, mainly in the summer, right, where you see Pasty Fest and that's linked with the Great Deer Chase, right? So mountain biking, those two things didn't develop separately. I mean, they kind of in tandem now that people will do both. So yeah, it's a great idea. And I would suggest that just look out you know, in advance to the calendar, you know, see what's coming up next year and think about how you can fit into sort of the broader theme because there are people who are coming to the area, uh, and they are looking for other things to do. I mean, they're here for the snow statues. Maybe they're going to go to stage review. Um, but it's a great opportunity to say, Hey, we've got some other fun stuff to do. Go check out the copper Country curling rink. Like you suggested, go talk to Gary, rent it out for a few hours, learn how to <laughs> curl. I did that this week. Uh, I'm not going to make it to the Olympics. I, I learned that pretty quick, at least in curling. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a symbiotic opportunity opportunity to kind of help spread people out and uh, experience what's, you know, what makes the Kimono a special place. Obviously,
1: you have the all-nighter on a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Events really go through the end of the day Saturday, maybe a little bit on Sunday. Do most people coming from out of town, do they come up for everything or do they come up for maybe the last couple of days?
0: I really think people are coming into town Thursday night. You know, that's when you start seeing uptick in terms of hotel occupancy and they will stay through Saturday night, leaving on Sunday. Right. So it's sort of a three or four day experience. They're here for the snow statues. They're here for, you know, the the the, the fireworks, you know, Vermont Ripley and, the you know, coming down, the watching the skiers come down at night. And then after that, they're going to their old stomping grounds, right? They want to go out and grab a beer at the KBC. You know, maybe they're going to go for a snowshoe at Hungarian Falls, right? It's kind of going down memory lane for, you know, for those folks. So it's a lot of camaraderie. It's a lot of doing what they love to do while they were here. But that's also a great opportunity to check out a new restaurant, right? So go check out the bonfire. Go check out the den while you're here. Learn a little bit what's happening in the community uh, and and see why you might want to come back not just for Winter Carnival, but maybe uh, in March, You know, uh, you know, if you love those types of events.
1: And it seems like a lot of people have committed to this early on. So weather perhaps, obviously an issue in the key one out this yeah. time of year, doesn't play as big of a role perhaps as it would in canceling some other events or diminishing the attendance. Form.
0: Yeah. I mean, as long as the snow sculptures are here, uh, and, and, and again, Blue Key and Michigan Tech and the city of Houghton are really committed to making sure that happens. There have been times, as I understand where they've, they've brought snow onto campus to make sure it happens. They had to do uh, it last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we didn't really get snow last year until February. Right. And so it that started, was, yeah, I yeah. think
1: right after the all-nighter wrapped yeah, up, yep, so yep. as soon as the judges tried to get out there and see all the fine details. That's when the snow started.
0: Yeah. And that's where I think the teams were able to have like two guys with brooms out there, like sweeping or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That was the only people allowed to know was still on the site to make sure they could see some of that detail, but you're right. It's not like a cross country ski race where, or the copper dog, where if there's no snow on the trails or really, it, it impacts the participation in some of those events. So, um. Winter Carnival can go on. And again, I think part of it's that social and emotional tie to the event, right? And you're there not just, that's the reason why you're coming, but part of the joy is connecting with friends and loved ones and and a community as much as it is about just the snow, if that makes sense.
1: And I remember, I believe it was my senior year. So this would have been February of 2009. My family came up from Detroit and my brother came up from Purdue where he was going to school at the time. And he actually had to drive through a bunch of closed interstates coming up the Wisconsin yeah. side because there's a bad storm. And when my family went to leave to go back to the Detroit area, the Mackinac Bridge got closed, oh. and they were stuck in a blizzard and <laughs> had to scramble for a hotel room and yeah. had to, you know, go back fifty, sixty, a hundred miles or whatever it was to yeah. to get a room. So people will go through that mm-hmm. for carnival. Yeah. No matter what the weather is outside, they'll make it up here for this event in a way that. Perhaps they don't for us.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, and, I mean, you're traveling with people that you love. That it's a specific event. Um, yeah, It's not easy to get up here, so I applaud your, your brother. <laughs> 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 man, man, doubling back and coming back up here. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's as much about the love of the community. When I say community, it's both, you know, Houghton as an area, Hancock, the Copper Country, the Kemana, but, you know, sort of the community of, of Michigan Tech, right? It's that connection to a, to the university that, brings people up here. And you mentioned he's your brother, so he probably wanted to see it. Maybe not. I don't know. But that's why he's coming up to check it out.
1: As the event gets more national attention, I believe the Weather Channel has done a feature on it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Fox yeah. News. Can we quantify how many people come up who are not connected to the region or to Michigan Tech who just want to see Winter Carnival and see what it's about?
0: It would be an initiative to be done, but it can be done. Uh, just knowing that, you know, it would require probably some surveying, right, of, of folks, so that would take some resources to do, but I, I don't think there's anything that would prevent that, as long as people don't mind uh, walking up and down the streets with their with their notepads and clipboards and things like that and asking people why they came. Yeah, I mean, anything's measurable. It just takes foresight and some planning, and, you know, maybe we realize that, you know, eventually the draw is... is uh, not as wide as we think it is, or maybe it's even more, right? That's the fun part about research, is answering those questions. And then, then you got a case to be made about the value of Winter Carnival. I think anecdotally we see it, we know it, and we feel it, but it's always nice to have those numbers, right, that you can lean back on and say, well, we know because.
1: We've talked about hotels a lot as far as the room rates and the occupancy. Mm-hmm. Restaurants around here have to, bars, Mm -hmm. they have to just love this particular weekend. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, people are up here, they have to eat, right? And so um, it's certainly impactful. I've had conversations with the Kimono Chamber of Commerce and what they're hearing from their businesses as well. You know, I've walked into many a restaurant over the last couple of days. It's great to see them full, you know, without Winter Carnival. I think people still come up here for the snow, but, you know, again, not in those robust numbers. This is what helps businesses, events like this, Get through the winter and get through the spring when things are a little slow, and make it to summer when things really pick up. And so, you know, without these sort of cornerstone events, I'll put Copper Dog in there, I'll put the Great Bear Chase. This is what helps get people through the winter. Uh, they're probably not making tons of money, right? But they're maybe they're just breaking even. Uh, but then they can get to those more uh, lucrative times because of things like this. This is what keeps the doors open.
1: This year maybe just a quirk of the calendar. We have Valentine's Day on Monday. It happens to be the 14th, right after this weekend. Yep. So they get the benefit of the out-of-towners coming in for Carnival, yep. and then a day that they may not even be open during normal weeks, yeah. they're getting Valentine's Day as well. So everything seems to be kind of aligning in their favor this year.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, right? I mean, that's the way <laughs> I see it. I mean, sometimes it's just dumb luck, but uh, but yeah. Um, you know, And, and so... You know, if you want that, uh, let's say that more intimate and you know, just you and your loved one sort of experience, this might not be the best year for it. Simply because, again, we might still have a few out of town guests here, right? So you can't get that corner booth at Jiminani's you really wanted to get. But again, good for business. Uh, especially after coming off a winter like last year. You know, it was we had a great summer last year in 2020. Our winter wasn't as strong as we would have liked it to be, right? And so coming after that, you know, it's just great to see restaurants full. It's great to see happy people. It's great to see business owners feeling energized about things. That's what we're here for. That's why we were in the tourism industry is to help small businesses like that thrive. And uh, we're just happy to see it.
1: How much coordination happens between, and you may have insight into this where I wouldn't, say the university and municipal officials. If you're Houghton, obviously if it's snowing outside, you're gonna have to clear the roads, but Mm -hmm. if it's snowing outside during Carnival, you might be extra vigilant and have to put a couple of extra rounds with the trucks.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I would have to say there's a a significant amount of coordination around Winter Carnival. I don't have, you know, a a direct answer for you. I know that Tech and Tech's administration and the City of Houghton, you know, are in constant communication because (laughs) The two don't work without each other and you know the city would not thrive as it's doing without michigan tech and michigan tech as a as a as an institution would not be thriving without a great community to be in and so that requires connection and dialogue um, and so they definitely impact each other so i i'm confident that there's some coordination with winter carnival just because of that relationship Mm -hmm. it's necessary i don't know the impact because of the specific event but i can tell you i saw a lot of bucket loaders the other day, moving snow, and I suspect that had something to do with that relationship between the two.
1: You mentioned that the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge is doing a snowshoe race this weekend. Mm-hmm. Do we find that people who come up for carnival tend to perhaps make some time during the week for those other events, whether it be snowmobiling, whether it be downhill skiing, snowshoeing, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, or do they come mostly for what's going on on campus?
0: I think the the draw is what's coming on campus, but I I was at Mount Bohemia on Tuesday. I ran into a group of like, I'm going to say like 27-year-old guys, and uh, you know, we're just striking up a conversation, and they're like, we're up here because of Winter Carnival, but we're here, but we're going to go snowing at Bohemia because that's what I love to do when we were in college, and a couple of them weren't tech students, right? Mm -hmm. So it was a couple of tech students who brought their other friends. The date of choice was because of Winter Carnival. That's what got them up here. So again, Carnival helped kind of serve as that magnet, right? Brought people up here, but then people are going to go out and explore while they're here, and so, you know, think of it as like a great commercial for the Keweenaw's winter tourism season. You know, people come up here and do that. I know the businesses up north would love to see more traffic from winter carnival come up to experience these things because. You know, as much as we know about all the hot spots and great spots here in the Keweenaw, tourists and visitors sometimes don't, right? So they need to get those experiences. It's still another 45 minutes up north, probably driven seven hours to get here. Most people come up here by car. They're not flying up here. So they may need a little extra encouragement to head north. I think most of them spend most of their time kind of around Houghton Hancock proper because of that affiliation with the university. But I know some of them do get up there uh, just because of those anecdotal conversations that I've had.
1: Well, I have you here, Brad. Maybe I can ask you about the new dashboard, the tourism economic impact dashboard that you just released on your website. And I'm kind of curious, who is the end user, who it's aimed for? Is it more for people who are visiting and want to get a lay of the land? Or is it something that can be used by area businesses? I don't know necessarily how quickly it's being updated. Could they go on there and get some idea of, you know, recent trends and that, that, could perhaps impact their business.
0: Yeah, no, uh, sort of the target audience for, for that uh, was not tourists. If they're anecdotally interested in knowing sort of the economic value and when the ebbs and flows, of the tourism season, they're welcome to use it. But really our primary audience were businesses who were looking for data to help make their investment decisions. You know, we get contacted all the time by people who are looking to start up a new venture, right? And you know, or even business ventures that are already here but they're looking to expand, but they want data to help make informed decisions, and sometimes even make the business case to banks to finance their operations. And so for us, we were getting those requests for decades, but we didn't always have the data at our fingertips to share. So this initiative, we wanted to kind of show and demonstrate both, you know, this is this is when the tourists are here, this is changes over time, you know, compared to the years prior, because people ask, is this your better or worse? And we thought, well, let's just make the data available so that way they can find it whenever they need it. But then also for our public leaders, I mean, they're very in tune to sort of the ebbs and flows of tourism, and they want to track that closely too. And so for us, we wanted to kind of show what the industry contributes financially to the region, as well as sort of impact in terms of just visitor counts, how many people showed up this year or this month. So... Um, We put data together, it is, there are estimates, I just want to make that clear, you know, we are pulling data from our members, our hotels um, that we work, and partner with, we do have access to third party data on um, sort of like Airbnbs and VRBOs that we're able to pull in, may not be members of ours, but they rent rooms in the region. Uh, And we've recently uh, received data from our three state parks. So campground data, you know, McLean and Fort Wilkins and things like that that we're gonna pull into to help add and bolster out some of those estimates that we make. For us, this was really more about community, allowing businesses to grow based on data that we could help them collect. Tourism data, funny enough, like there's no one-stop shop or point of entry that collects and then distributes this data. Everybody sort of has a little piece of the puzzle. You know, the hotels have their little sliver, a cabin owner may have his or hers, the parks have their day, but there was no sort of like unifying or coalescing or aggregating. And that's what we kind of came in to say, okay, well, People ask us for it, so why don't we just put some time and energy and put it together? And hopefully, it'll ultimately be a helpful communication tool with our community members and, uh, again, our elected officials, um, our administrators, you know, like Eric down in the city of Houghton, you know, he's interested in this stuff too. And then, ultimately, you know, if you're looking to open up a business and you want to know, okay, when's the, when's the peak time? Well, here you go. And we're gonna, always going to adjust it. We're probably going to try to maybe at least once a month, we're going to update those numbers. My only sort of cautionary tale here is that our date always comes in slow. So if you were to jump in and say, okay, how'd this December go? We're already, we're into February. We want to see how December, we're still just getting our data from our hotels now. So it would look like according to our dashboard, that we had no visitors in December. Well, that wasn't true. So. <laughs> we <laughs> so, probably had yeah, one or two did, Yeah, we Yeah, we, we had a couple. Um, so we'll update those. So just always that last month or two, you know, is always going to be, you know, a little bit behind. So it's not going to be real-time data, but we're going to try to make it as close to real-time as we can, and we're going to continue to tweak it as new data comes.
1: Now is this the beta version can we expect some updates and changes to maybe future versions in in yep. the coming years or coming months whatever yep. it happens to be
0: Yep so right now all we're showing is just a blanket you know this is how many visitors this is this is how much we anticipate in terms of economic spending in the community for things like you know lodging and retail and food and beverage and stuff like that you know, which is great information, but a lot of times we get asked, well, we're really interested in, you know, how many snowmobilers come up? We're really interested in the, you know, the impact of skiing or cross-country skiing. So what we'd like to do is refine that out, right, and get on and get into sort of user groups because that data is, you know, very important for us to kind of understand and, and for us to better understand where our marketing dollars can be applied to. But then also I know community members are very interested in that. And that's often used as justification for simple things like, trail maintenance, or new trails, or new parks. So it would be great to have that. Uh, we're working with WPTR, uh, the Western UP Plan Development Region, on a grant to the federal government to help do some economic study to kind of help us get more find data on that kind of stuff and adjust our numbers. And the other thing is, is sort of like the tool itself. It's not very mobile friendly right now, so you kind of want to gotta to be on a laptop <laughs> or a tablet or a desktop. Things are kind of small, so we're looking at new um, data visualization tools that we can use, so that way it's just easier to manage. But it renders really well if you're on your desktop. Is there any
1: way to localize it? If somebody was interested in just what the economic impact was in the village of Calumet or yeah. Copper Harbor or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. We talk about Winter Carnival and the fact that Houghton to Calumet's getting a huge economic bump this weekend. Yeah. Copper Harbor is probably not seeing mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. Is there a way to allow people to kind of see the differences over time in various localities.
0: Yeah, that becomes more challenging because our visitors, when they come here, you know, especially in the summer and fall, Houghton may be their their base camp, but they go all over the place, Mm -hmm. right? They may stay in Copper Harbor and come down to Houghton. So it's tough for us because you always, when it comes to like doing these types of analysis, your limiting factor is the data set that has the lowest level of resolution. So the lowest level of detail. And unfortunately, when we get our data from like hotels, it's sort of blind we don't know we know that the hotel data we have coming in is from houghton or keweenaw county but we don't know where and so that's the you know for privacy reasons between the business and the cvb so that's sort of our limitation right now and one sort of the theoretical man we just we know people spend money all over the place and we can't track that because our visitors move Mm -hmm. they they treat the keweenaw like one big place you know um and then the other element too is of course just how refined that data gets when we ultimately get it and so We'd love to be able to do that. We think they would have a lot of value, um, but it's just, it's, it becomes a lot more cumbersome and our estimates become probably less precise when we start doing things like that.
1: One last kind of driver of economic activity in the wintertime that we haven't talked about yet. We've hit on snowmobilers. We've hit on carnival. Mm-hmm. There are a ton of hockey teams that make their way <laughs> up here. And mm-hmm. I know we mentioned the drill house and the Copper Country Curling yeah. Club. They host parents' groups and stuff like mm-hmm. that from as far away as Detroit on a regular basis yeah. in the wintertime. Do we have a way of quantifying what hockey means, and whether it be the youth level or all the way up through high school as far as visitorship yeah. here?
0: Yeah, we don't have the data, but you're absolutely right. I mean, that's part of that that pillar, that sort of that third leg we were talking about earlier, and, and, and man, does it not only fill a lot of rooms, It you know, those hockey players, they like to eat, <laughs> I mean, you know, they like to eat a lot. So, um, you know, whether or not the meals are being catered in or what – they are spending money even if families are staying in a cabin somewhere they're still going to grocery stores and picking up food and bringing it back to the cabin so that's just talking to our hoteliers and our businesses up here that's been such a welcome return to the winter tourism economy because a lot of that was omitted last year i mean we still had teams come but they didn't bring the family you know they didn't bring the friends the coaching staff may have been limited so the real value of that was impacted quantification absolutely i mean that's certainly measurable because you have points of you know input and contact you can you can figure out how many teams came you can figure out how many rooms are rented through there it just takes research to do it it would certainly be valuable and then you could also lump in things like you know uh Stadium. i mean think about how many people pass through here or come up here because of the history of hockey um so that's a again that's a great input for us it's a great kind of layer for our winter economy and uh, we just need to have the time and energy and know-how in order to make sure we get those numbers
1: are there any areas in the Keweenaw that are predominantly summertime or has pretty much the entire peninsula moved to a four season a year model?
0: Yeah. So that's a good question. I feel like maybe the Eagle Harbor and Eagle River area kind of slows down a little bit just because, you know, some of the businesses close down. Copper Harbor isn't as robust as it was because again, no, a number of businesses kind of close down and winterize up. But I'm telling you, I mean, snowmobiling, the trails go all the way up to Copper Harbor as long as they're open. You know you got two ski opportunities you know between bohemia and mont ripley great cross-country skiing pretty much i mean heck you got trails up there (laughs) in copper harbor too um i mean i think we really have sort of transitioned to where we certainly have fewer businesses open in the winter so there's no question that the economic impact summer versus winter i mean there's a significant difference between Mm -hmm. the two but in terms of people coming up here i mean it's slower but you know there's it's still going yeah
1: as a guy who lives in lake linden in goes around the other side of Torch Lake, it's amazing how many homes are being built over in that mm-hmm. direction, the Bootjack yeah. area. But you still have you know, the Dreamland Resort, which does a ton of business yeah. in the winter time. So even there, where you could, I think, make a case that it's summer over winter, Yeah, there's still a robust winter business that's yeah. developed in the last couple decades. Brad Barnett, Executive Director of the Keweenaw Convention and Visitors Bureau. Thank you for joining me on Copper Country Today.